Lord. You may be seated tonight. Again, I want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being faithful. I know that God is doing something special. Tonight is not going to be anything different. Tonight is going to be a night that God, I believe, is encapsulating what He's done in our presence in the last two weeks. I told you before, I told you when I opened service, unless God changes something before the end of the service, this may be the last night of nightly services. But it's not the end of revival. As a matter of fact, I don't believe that these nightly services have had anything to do with what revival is other than preparing us to live revival. Revival is not a series of services. It is not a guest speaker. It is not some time to come together and separate out from the world. Revival is a time to wake up. Revival is a time to come alive and begin to do something in our community, begin to do something in our region, begin to do something in our, in our area. And I believe that God wants us to do something. Now before I get too far off in the service, in case I forget, I do have one other announcement I do want to make tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Uh, anybody that's willing to go over and help us out at Reach Church Cameron, uh, we are going to be going over and doing some cleaning and some painting, and uh, our number one painter has twisted her ankle, she's planning on trying to go, uh, but, but I, I, we need help. And if you'd like to go, meet us here at 8 o'clock in the morning or meet us in Cameron tomorrow. And uh, we'll be doing some great things, getting that place ready to get fired up and going. And I can't wait to see how they're going to reach into that Cameron community. Amen. Reaching is what we're talking about tonight. Reaching out and... If I've said it once in the last two weeks, I've said it a thousand times. Revival isn't revival until we get outside these walls. This has been the most different series of services, the most different quote-unquote revival I've ever been a part of in my life. Number one, I preached it. I, I, uh, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know uh, why Pastor Tommy invited Evangelist Tommy to preach, but uh, I don't think Pastor Tommy had anything to do with it. But uh, God has sent something special. We've not, we've not broken attendance records this week, but we have experienced the anointing and the power of God. We have experienced God in a way that we've got to do. I've said from, from night one, I think, a dead church cannot send life to a dying community. We, we cannot begin to reproduce ourselves if we're living in a graveyard. We have to get outside. We have to get alive in our heart and then go find. I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight. Oh, come on. You let Sister Ann be the loud one here. She's not even here tonight and it got real quiet. Let's open our Bibles tonight. That's better. Acts chapter 8, going to read one verse of Scripture, verse number 40. Reading from the New Living Translation, this is what the Word of the Lord says. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Astos, 
He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your power. I thank you and I praise you for your anointing. I thank you and I praise you that you have provided for us an opportunity, Lord, to draw close to you, to come alive. But Lord, not just so that we would feel better, but so that we can move out and wherever we go, we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you for your power for your anointing, for your peace, and for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. Now, tonight I want to preach a sermon called, Wherever We Go. And I know that you were not sitting there a second ago. You heard me talking about you and you disappeared. Uh, but, uh, but, I, I want to talk for a few minutes about wherever we go. And, and I believe that God has sent us a revival fire. God has sent us an anointing, but he didn't send it to us so that we can feel better. He sent it to us so that we can go do what we're called to do. Now, let me just clarify and make some things plain to you. There is not one preacher in this room. There is not one, two, three, four, five. There's not six. There's not six, seven preachers in this room. There are whatever there is, 25 or 30 preachers in this room. Somewhere down the road, we've decided that the pastor's the preacher. Somewhere down the road, we've decided that the Sunday school teacher, the children's worker, the youth leader, the this, the that, they have to have a title. They have to have this, they have to have that. But the Bible tells me that we are... That our calling is to share the word. proclaiming the gospel but every one of you is called to proclaim so tonight I'm going to be talking about the power don't tune me out because you have been called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ if nothing else this revival has been about it's been about getting us alive again so that when we get outside we can find power. I want to go back and read a couple of verses of Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, I'm not going to put these on the screen. I just want it for background. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says, Saul was one of the witnesses that agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. We talked about that the other night. Then it goes on and says, A great wave of persecution began that day. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. 
Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw into prison. Now I want to back up here and it says that a wave of persecution came and began to scatter them. And except for the apostles, they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Can I go back and read another verse? It says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you shall receive power. Witnesses were my preachers, telling the people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in The apostles and the Has anybody but me hear the same words? We had not got here yet. What got us there? Persecution. What got us there was hard times. See, our problem is when we face persecution, when somebody rises up against us, when we face a difficult time, when we face a rough season, I don't care. The financial, the relational, that's when we start hiding. And God says, I want you to start letting the persecution cause you to scatter. Because when we start scattering, I want you to listen to what happens here. When we start scattering, it says, But the believers who were scattered. Preach the good news about Jesus wherever they went. They preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I got news for you. I don't care what's been going on. He doesn't have to care. He's going to preach his sermon and move on. But somewhere down the road, that's the problem. We saw. We have shut ourselves up inside the four walls of the church. We hide in here. We have decided that we don't know what to deal with, how to deal with them, and we have enough problems just dealing with the weird church people we got to go to church with. We make statements like, church people hurt us more than anybody else. The reason is we won't talk to anybody else. I got news for you. There's going to be some difficulties. 
But sometimes God is trying to put you out. Tell me that an eagle will build and they will build it. The eagle will build this nest out of thorns. And then he will line it with soft fur from animals that he has eaten. And he'll make that nest soft and smooth. And when the eggs are hatched, those baby birds live in the nest surrounded by the fur of squirrels and rabbits and whatever that, that bummer bird has been eating. And they've ne they nestle themselves in that warm, soft nest. But there comes a place, they tell me, that the mama bird will begin to pull the fur out of the nest. And the baby bird begins to try to nestle back, and he nestles back into thorns. Mm. I, it's no wonder we can't understand this spiritually because we can't understand this physically. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to be nice here. But we're not going to understand the fact that God is pushing us out of the nest when we haven't pushed our own kids out of the nest. But that's beside the point. Let me tell you something. There, there, there comes a time. There comes a time that, that, that you got to say, let's go. We have decided that the preaching is one person's job, maybe two or three. But everybody doesn't have to do that. That's why when you go around and you begin to talk to people in the church, too many people tell you they've never led anybody to the Lord. What they're doing is they're trying to live in a nest that's warm and comfortable. And God is saying, listen, I didn't send your revival to make you feel better. I sent your revival to let you start seeing the world. You need to preach the gospel. Pastor, if I get a chance to go to another church, I'll tell them, that's not what he said. I'll tell people about God at McDonald's. I'll tell people about God at Dad. What? I don't care. I, I, I'm just going to pick on her for a second. I, I walked in to have some Taco Bell after church the other night. And I saw John. I hadn't seen her in a long time. And I could have said, hi, how you doing? But I said, we're having a revival and I ain't seen you. All I work on said, we're having a church every night. Well, we, we got it Friday night. When are you off? Come on Friday night. Bring your daddy with you. <laughs> now let me tell you something. I could have walked into that building and I could have just got my burrito supreme and put my, my taco... But something told me I need to share again. I need to invite. I need to tell about the power of God. I got news for you. We got to start 
with victory and power ever. With your neighbors, with your co-workers, everywhere we go, we've got to be telling people about Jesus. The Bible but the good news about Jesus wherever they went it didn't matter to them that they were there not because they wanted to be you want to know where you're going to preach your greatest sermons in the places you never wanted to be in the first place oh there was a man talks about him here as Saul he later changed his name to Paul he goes and begins to preach. And all of a sudden, he cast a demon out. And the city rose up against him. And they took him and his partner Silas and they beat him up. And they bruised him. And they threw them into the inner cell. And they put them in stocks and bonds. And they put them in the innermost cell, which is where all the sewage drains for that prison. And they locked them up. And the Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praises to God. I got news for you. They didn't want to be in that prison. They were not excited about their, their surroundings. They were beaten. They were bruised. They had sores. They had I know some of you super spiritual people. Oh, everything is always good. And yes, I've been beat up, but I've been beat up by, for Jesus, and it just feels wonderful. No, it doesn't. It hurts! But in the middle of a beaten, bruised body, in the middle of the night, in the inner cell of the prison, Bible says the building shook, the chains fell off, the doors opened up, and the jailer came and was about to kill himself. And Paul said, do yourself no. We're all We didn't want to be here. We're not here by choice. But God placed us here until we finish our job. You know what their job was? That Philippian jailer. Because they began to witness to him. He took them to his house. He fed them. He bound up their wounds. He ministered to them and treated their, their injuries. And then him and his whole family were saved and baptized. Why? Because Paul and Silas said, I don't care what he sends us. I don't care if he sends us to a prison or if he sends us... We've got to understand that victory doesn't come when we quit having bad things happen. Victory isn't about coming when we start being everywhere we want to be. 
Victory happens when we start preaching God wherever we're at. All of a sudden, when we start sharing the mercies and the grace of God, no matter where we're at, we walk in victory. We walk in victory. Paul and Silas walked in victory in the middle of The Bible says, as you go on in verse number 5, it says, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Listen to verse 8. So there was great joy in the city. Can I tell you something about our preaching? Our preaching brings great joy. See, some of us, we went out preaching. We thought. But what we've done is we've went out not like, not like Philip or not like Peter or James, but we went out like Saul. Instead of going out sharing victory and sharing life and sharing power and sharing love and sharing mercy and talking about the goodness of Jesus Christ, we've went out and began. We went out and began to grab them and say, come on, come on, come on, come on. We've got to get to this get to this altar, get to that altar. You're brave enough, you can go back to that seat. No, you're not done yet. Hang on, hang on. All right, seriously. Let me tell you something. Instead of going out and preaching and bringing great joy, we start grabbing people around the neck. We preach judgment. Oh, I'm going to talk about holiness in a second. But before we get to there, we've got to understand, when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, people should be lined up going, can you tell us some more? Can can you tell us that again? Somewhere down the road, us Pentecostals, we decided we'd rather hit people than pray for them. Somewhere down the road, we decided it was better to tell people how evil they were instead of telling people how good God is. Preaching brings great joy. When we go out and we begin to take the gospel of Jesus Christ outside the walls of this church, it's not... It's not going to be about holding up signs telling people they're dying and going to hell. It's not going to be about going around and telling people your church isn't good enough. But it's going, about going to be, it's going to be about going around and saying, look who God is. Look what the Lord I haven't finalized the details yet. But my plan, I'm going to look at this so I get it right. My plan is that on August the 25th, 
which is three, four Sundays from now. It's the last Sunday of the month. This Sunday's going to be the Sunday month. Our Sunday night service ain't going to happen here. But we're going to go to either Simpson Park or Danner Park. And we're going to have a singing. And we're going to have praise and worship. And we're going to glorify God. We're going to have, we're going to have Sister Amy sing. We're going to have Brother Mark sing. I haven't asked him. But I, he, he's going to sing. I just have faith. We, 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 we may even stretch the envelope. I may even sing a song or two. We, 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 we have, we're going to have different people in the church that sing specials. We're going to come and we're going to go out there. We're not going to tell people they're dying and going to hell. We're going to tell people how good our God is. Our God is so good that we get in public and we sing His praises. You know what I want to see that night? I want to see some people that are walking around the park stopped for a few minutes ago. I want to see some smiles on their face as they hear us glorifying God. When we preach the good news, it should bring joy. Do you hear what I said? When we preach the good news? See, the good news isn't about what they've done wrong. The good news is about that there's an answer to what they've done wrong. The good news is that Jesus has already paid the you tell somebody your way has been paid. That's good news. That's good news. I, I went to McDonald's last night to get me something to eat. And I was walking in and somebody came up and said, here, buy your food with this. And I said, that's some good news right there. Because I get to go here and eat. And when my wife says, where did we get the money for that? I said, it don't matter, God provided. There's victory. When I, if I can get excited that somebody bought my meal at McDonald's, then you better believe when somebody comes by and tells me that Jesus is the price for my sin and my eternity and the ticket for my eternity was paid for by the Son of God. It's not by my works. It's not by what Our preaching must bring joy. Goes on, begins to tell a story. As Philip is preaching, there's a well-known sorcerer in the land. His name is Simon. And Simon begins to hear the preaching. And he gets excited. And he gives his heart to the Lord. And he starts following Philip everywhere he went. The move of God becomes so great, they send to Jerusalem. And they have, the, uh, they have Peter and John come down. And Peter and John get there and they said, Oh! You need the Holy Ghost. Let me get to lay hands on people. And they begin to speak with other tongues. With the utterance of the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says, When Simon saw the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed. So when I look,
Verse 20, but Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part of this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray the Lord. Perhaps he will not, he will forgive, perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see you are full of bitterness, bitter jealousy, and held captive by sin. Can I tell you something? Our preaching must have standards. Oh, we're preaching good news. We're preaching the victory. We're preaching the mercy. We're even preaching grace. But there's a standard. There's, there's got to be a standard. Peter and John come down and they begin to lay hands on people. Simon, a young believer, comes up and says, Oh, I don't know what I understand about this, but I know what I used to be. And used to, when I'd see something like this, I would buy the right to do it. So let me buy it off of you. Let me buy this power from you. And Peter says, listen, we have standards. We have standards. I don't care where you come from. You tell, you tell me now then why, why do we fight for years and years and years to get the Holy Ghost if God gives it away free, but that's another sermon. Peter says, we can't sell what God gives away free. He said, we got to draw. Some people have grabbed a hold. We've went to an age of anything goes. Guilty. I'm a, I'm a person of change. I don't really like change, but I make everybody else change. What are you writing about? I, 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 I come up in the church of God. I've been in this. For almost 50 years. Actually, I've been church of God for over 50 years now. I had, had, I'm not 50 years by birth yet, but I was church of God nine months before I was born. I think Dad took me into membership about the third trimester. I don't know. I, I think I came out as an exhorter. I, I don't remember exactly how that worked. But, but I... I, I've been in around the church all my life, and, and I remember the days when I preached clothesline religion. I remember the days when it was more about how you looked than how you lived. I remember the days that, that we were more concerned about making sure nobody went mixed bathing. Then making sure anybody knew who Jesus was. In case you know, don't know mixed bathing, it means you can't swim together. It has nothing to do with soap. I tried that when I was a kid. We ain't taking no soap to the pool. 
I, I got news for you. I remember the days when the rules were strict. I remember hearing the story of my mama. My dad went to preach at a church. My mother had a wedding band that had a little diamond chip in it. It wasn't a ring that set up. It was a flat band that had a small diamond chip in it. And the preacher come up to my dad and said, if you want to preach in my pulpit, you have that wife of yours take that gaudy jewel. Some of y'all know my mama. My mama said, you might want to think about this. Take it off. I don't know if I'm putting it back on. The pastor actually agreed to let her spin her ring around backwards so that nobody could see the diamond because it was okay to have a wedding. I remember those stories. I remember that kind of life. And as I begin to come into ministry, I begin to say, oh, we got to change. We got to do something different. We got to go somewhere different. But somewhere, I went through a season where I lost my standing. Oh, okay. Oh, you want to do it? Okay. We just want to be happy. And you blink your eyes and you turn around and there's more sin in the church than there's righteousness in the church. I'm telling you, we got to preach the joy. we got to preach the power. But so... Standard is a man-made standard. But our standard is the gift that God has given us. We have to live according to His holy word. Boy, if I ever sounded like an old preacher, I sound like one right now. Hey, excuse me, I need to go find me a suit and tie. I feel, I feel all messed up right now. We've we got to have a standard. Do you know, without a standard, we don't have faith, we have a social club. Without a standard, we quit preparing people for heaven and we start preparing people to give in the offering. Oh. Without a standard, we quit bringing people to a life of holiness and we bring people away from a life of holiness. Somewhere we got to stand on the rock and we got to say, this is the Word of God. It's not going to be popular. A lot of people ain't going to like it. But there's life in it. There's life in it. And I'm not talking about, I'm not saying we need a standard and, and, and a dress code and in this, that, or the other. I'm going to tell you what, we need a standard where we say we don't gossip. We need a standard where we say we don't talk about people. We need a standard where we say forgiveness is required by the Word of God. Don't come in the house because you're mad at them. And if we're going to raise a standard against abuse of alcohol and we're going to raise a standard against abuse of drugs, then we better start raising a standard against the abuse of fried chicken. Come on. I've said it for years. Ain't nothing in my mind worse than a fat preacher telling you you can't smoke. Come on. 
we got to have a standard. We've got to raise a standard. But there is a reason that we raise a standard. Because if we don't raise a standard, we don't give an opportunity for repentance. But a standard and truth will bring repentance. Listen to this. Verse 24. Pray the Lord for me, Simon explained, that these terrible things you have said... Hear that? You know what that is? That's Simon the sorcerer who wanted to buy the power of the Holy Ghost. Heard the standard. Heard the truth. And said, oh, 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 oh. That's not what I meant. That's not what I'm looking for. Let me tell you something, church. The reason some of your family and some of your friends haven't gotten saved yet is because you've never lifted a standard up in front of them. You've never turned around and told them, I love you, but what you're doing is wrong. You, you've got to raise that standard. You've got to stand up and say, look, I'm always going to be here for you. I trust you. I love you. This is the standard of the Word of God. We've got churches all over this country that lost their standards because they're afraid of losing people. And the truth is what's happening is they're not gaining people because they're not seeing repentance because there's no standard. Oh, and I better go there. we got some of us that will raise standards in certain areas and we'll let them down in others. Oh, we're pretty good. Ah, but there. Ah, but there. We'll let that one slide. We'll let that one slide. I'm going to tell you, we need to become a church that raises a standard. Because when you raise a standard, you offer an opportunity for repentance. It's amazing to me that in this story, when they rose a standard, it did not cause Simon the sorcerer to run off and get angry and divide the church, but instead it caused Simon the sorcerer to fall on his knees and say, let God have mercy on me! When are we going to decide and understand that God can reach people that we don't think we can touch? We've got to have a standard. That standard will produce repentance. The next thing that I see is that we've got to, our preaching must be directed. Verse 26 says, As for Philip, the angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert Gaza. He's had a great revival. A great power, a great anointing in Samaria. And now Jesus, the Lord. Our preaching has to be directed not by our desire, not by what we like, not by what we want, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. 
When God says go, we go. When God says stay, we stay. If God says run, we run. If God says run, we grab a We've got to get to a place that. I'm talking to everybody, but let me talk specifically to my preachers in the room for a second. Quit preaching just to preach. My Church of God preachers in the room that fill out reports, quit preaching so you got a number to put on a report. And start preaching because you've been directed. Quit preaching sermons. Quit preaching sermons that you stole from somebody else and get in the Word of God and preach the sermon that's been directed for you to preach. Am I saying that, that you can't read a commentary? You can't take somebody a sermon that blesses your heart and you can't mold that into a message? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, we've got to start understanding that when I preach, I, I'm going to tell you how I am. When I preach, I've stolen some sermons in my life. If it's a good sermon, it was probably started with somebody else. I've started a few sermons. But I got news for you. I only preach it when I'm directed. And as somebody once said, I run them through my own grinder and they become my meat. I study. I, I, I take an idea sometimes and I'll lay it out and I'll study it and I'll seek it out and I'll let God direct me. Sometimes I'll be somewhere and somebody will preach something and I'll go, oh! A couple of years ago I went to a conference and I heard a man get up and he began to talk about the two trees of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And he hit it as a point and it jumped in my spirit. And I come back here and I began to talk to people and before you knew it, we had two trees on the platform. And I preached a whole month series on the two trees. I began, I began to, why? It wasn't because I heard somebody preach, it's because God directed. Our preaching has to be directed. Now let me come away from the preachers for a second and come to the real ministers, the preachers. Because I got news for you, those of us behind the pulpit, you preach from a pulpit, you can only win the people that somebody else gets into church. You want to find where real ministry is? You find the people doing it in the street. Let me get back to the real preachers for a second. Let God direct you. He's going to direct you into stores. He's going to direct you into places. Oh, I talked a while ago about going to Taco Bell the other night. When we were getting ready to leave, I said we were going to McDonald's. But I was directed by my wife to go to Taco Bell. She goes, we can go anywhere, but Taco Bell sounds better. There was a direction. There was, there was a direction that took us where we needed to be. Let God direct your steps. The steps of a righteous man are all.
and saw somebody, maybe you hadn't talked to them in six months or a year, and all of a sudden God just like, ooh, go say something to them. God, I'm in a hurry. You go over and you begin to talk to them. That is our preaching being directed. Philip was directed to go down to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And when he got down there, he saw the chief eunuch. And he was on his chariot. And he was reading. Philip began to run up beside him. What are you looking at? I'm reading. Oh, let me read it. So he started out and met a met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandike, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was now returning, seated in his carriage, and was reading aloud from the book of the prophet of Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he was reading was this. He was like a sheep to the, he was like a he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who, who can speak of, of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me what, tell me was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Listen to this verse 35. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus Christ. So starting... Where that man was, Philip began to tell him the story of Jesus Christ. Our preaching must be prepared. You better be ready. You don't get ready coming and listening to me. You don't get ready listening to somebody else. You get ready by reading and studying. Our preaching must be we got to start and take them to Christ. Sometimes that's a short trip and sometimes it's a long journey. I've been times where God's directed me to go up and talk to people and I find out where they're at and it's a short time before I'm praying the sinner's prayer with them and I'm talking about how God has saved their life. I know you've been there, I've been there, some of you have been there. But we started talking to somebody where they're at. And a year from now, we're talking to them where they're at. And two years from now, we're talking to them where they're at. And five years from now, we're talking to them, but we're taking them somewhere. We've got to be prepared enough 
that whoever God leads us to, we can take them from where they're at to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are prepared enough. We know the Word of God enough that we can grab their hand and we can walk them through. This is not a game of hide and seek. This is not a game of tag your it. This is a game of I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to climb up in your carriage. Mm, I'm going to ride down the road with you. I don't know. God has called us to be prepared. This revival. This revival. Not just about us feeling good. This revival is about us becoming prepared. This revi- the message is that God has put in my heart. If you just took the messages of this two weeks and you studied them, you read the Scriptures, you read the stories behind just the, 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 the 10, 12 messages of this revival, you know how many people you could meet along the road and take them to Christ? So you could you could come along and you could find that person that man they've watched believers all their life and never received anything. But silver and gold you don't have, but what you do have is you give them. That's Jesus Christ. That was the first night. We we can I I don't know if I can remember all of them, so I can't hit them all. But we can go into we can go into somebody. Who has a different view of what church is supposed to be? They're dragging people, and we can reach out to them and we can say, Listen, Brother Saul, God has sent me to pray that you get your sight. And we, we can reach them. We can reach them. We can grab the people who are in the storm and think they're about to die, and there's no hope. Be still. What are you worried about? Just have faith. We, we, we can reach out. We can grab that one haunted by their past. Living among the tombs and say, listen, your past can't hold you back anymore. All you got to do is let God cast your past out of your life. We can grab the one that says, I'm not, I don't fit in anywhere. Look, let me help you push through the crowd. We can, we can reach back. And we can find the one that can't stand on their own two feet and say, listen, I've interceded for you and God's going to lay His hand on you. He's going to take you by the hand and you're going to get up and be alive. We, 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 we can stake and we can start carrying people through. Why? Because we become prepared. But too often, we don't read our Bible. We don't pray. We don't fast. Dear Lord, most of the time we don't even come to church unless we have to attack. And when we come to church, we get so caught up in trying to do something to make us look important that we never pay attention to what God wants to do in us. Oh, let me grab that picture of Pastor Tommy back there and preach to him again. 
spend so much time trying to preach the word that I don't let God minister to my heart. And then when we get to the street, we're not preaching. Am I the only one in the room that ever went by a situation and went, oh! God opened that door up wide for me to witness and I walked right by it. Oh! How did I miss that? I wish I'd have said something to them. I wish I'd have just said, let me pray for you. But I wasn't prepared. My spirit wasn't in tune with God. We've got to walk in tune with Him so we become prepared. Philip was prepared. He was prepared. And when he led him to Christ, they come up the road and there was a pool of water and the man said, well, can I be baptized? And Peter said, sure. Let's do it. We're ready. Speaking of being baptized, if you need to be baptized, make sure you talk to me because a week from Sunday morning, we're going to have another water baptism service. So I want you if, you, if you need to be baptized, make sure you let me know. But he said, I'm prepared. And when the man asked for something that Peter, uh, Philip couldn't provide from his mind, God provided it. When the man needed to be baptized, God provided a pool. Can I tell you, if you'll prepare what you can prepare, God will prepare what He has to prepare. If you will do what you can do, God will take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. Pastor Tommy, quit trying to figure out how it all works. You do what you can do and God will take care of the rest. Quit stressing over it. Quit worrying about it. Quit whining about it. Quit crying about it. Quit losing sleep over it. And just say, God, I'm going to... Philip preached a prepared sermon. They stopped and were baptized. Verse 39 says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Astos. He preached the good news there, and in every town along the way, only come to Caesarea. Our preaching must never stop. This may be the last night of different service. But it's the first night of our preaching. See, this may be the last night that I get in front of you and I preach but it's the first night that you need to get in the street and you preach. We can't stop. You know what happens when we start trusting God? We start being directed. We start being prepared. We preach, we preach good news. We preach a standard. God starts just grabbing us. You're done here? Whoo! Wham! 
I always thought, ooh, God, could you do that to me? I just want to see what that's like. He come out of a baptismal pool and boom, I'm gone. I'm here now. I've had a few times it felt like that. I'll never forget when I moved here to be your pastor. I talked to the overseer. He told me, no, I got a church, but it's full. Got a guy going. He's going to be the next pastor there. He called me back the next week and said, actually, they want somebody else to come preach. I come preach to service. The next thing I know, I was your pastor. I had told Beth when I started, when I made the first contact. Now, Beth, this probably takes six months. Probably take a while. I'm, it's not that I'm necessarily, I mean, the boys had just went to public school. We'll start now in October because it'll be the end of school before we get a move. We, we started the 1st of October, and by December 1st, we were here. And I'm like, I still hadn't found my way around town yet. When God can see your heart, He's prepared. He will place you where you are. Sometimes it's across town. Sometimes it's across the church. Sometimes it's across the state. Sometimes it's across the country. All of a sudden, God opened doors and I find myself ministering. Scotland. God opened doors and all of a sudden we're taking teams to Texas. We're taking teams to Louisiana. Taking teams to Arizona. Why? That's where God needs us. That's where God needs us. Every time I turn around, God is providing what you need. Sometimes He puts you someplace because you need to be there. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're driving an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Not an hour, an hour and a half. Obey the ceiling. You're driving an hour and a half every week because you need to be here. Everything just goes boom. You're not even sure where you're at, but God just keeps dropping you. But he does. Over and over and over. God grabs your son, his pastor, in upstate New York, and all of a sudden they're in Florida doing four weeks of revival. That's just not a normal thing. God did that. Because when you become prepared and you become ready, whether God's doing it for you or for somebody else, He'll put you where you need. I can't tell you the time. God's put me in Walmart because of church. How you doing? Well, I don't know. You going to be there tonight? I don't know. Every time that happens, she walks in and she goes, you guilted me into it. I'm here. Let me tell you something. God puts you where you need to be. God, God opens the door. 
He closes the door. This revival has been about us preparing. Now we've got to start preaching. See, we've got a few things coming up. Let me just tell you, I, I, I'm so excited. I told you we're going to go out and do a singing in August. In, in, in uh, um, uh, September, we got the district rally. The second Sunday in October, as I'm planning it right now, haven't got it worked out for sure yet, I'm going to see if we can get the Silver Moon Plaza downtown. And we're going to go and have Sunday night service downtown. We're going to have worship, and I'm going to preach just like I preach right here. We're going to go out there, and we're going to preach the gospel in our public square. Oh, 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 that's, that's not all, though. See, see, we know how to sing around here. We know how to preach around here. We know how to have church, but we're also going to be the church. The last, sat, the last Sunday in October, the 27th of October, the last Sunday with Daylight Savings Time, you know what we're going to do for church? We're going to rake in the blessing. And we're going to meet up here about 530 we're going to have a bunch of rakes and a bunch of teams and we're going to go out in this city and we're going to rake leaves out of people's yards. We need to. We're going to have a pickup and a trailer coming by and we're going to load them up and haul them off. Why would we do that? Because it's high time we start serving. It's high time that we get out there and we start letting people know, hey, we're about more than having church. We know what it means to live. We're going we're gonna to have an event coming up probably in September where we're going to take a Sunday night and we're going to have community barbecues again. Oh, we've done that before. No, you didn't. Me and one or two other people did it. This time we're going to do it a little different. I'm not just going to say who wants to. I'm going to start coming and say, look, here's the meat for your barbecue. You need to start inviting people. And here's the meat for your barbecue. And here's the meat for your barbecue. And he, and we we gonna we gonna push this a little more. It's not just gonna be because you want to. It's gonna be because God has prepared us. And we're gonna bring our neighbors in, and we're gonna eat a barbecue chicken. And they're gonna go, "Why are you feeding us chicken?" We're gonna say, "Because Pastor asked us to pull our neighbors together and feed them chicken, and tell them our neighbors what God's done for us." This is my story. This is my. You know, last time we did that. You know who came to my barbecue? One of my neighbors named Johnny McLean. Johnny didn't come to the church back then. His daughter did. He didn't. Wasn't long after that. It was right after his wife had died, I think, the cookout. Then a week or two, Johnny was in the church. Johnny got saved. Johnny got filled with the Holy Ghost. Johnny's now one of our deacons. Because of a cookout. So when we start setting up the cookout, don't, don't come to me saying, well, I, I, that's just not my style. I don't care if it's your style or not. You're going to do it. I don't know how to cook. Well, I'll get somebody to come to your house and cook it, but you're going to host it. We've gotten all piled. We've gotten all hiked up of what we can and can't do. God says be prepared and be directed. 
our preaching. When we begin to do that, it never stops. We begin to take the gospel. This revival has not been so we feel better. It's been so that we can reach out again. So that we can love on people. So that we can share the good news. So we can show people we got a standard that will give you something that you don't have. There's not a standard in this world anymore. People need a standard. We're directed. We're prepared. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. Sick of trying. Sick of waiting for people to walk in the door. We're going to go get them. That's what revival is. We could have church every night for six months. But if we don't start reaching outside that door, all we're doing is going to an ice cream buffet spiritually. That's what we're doing. Here's how we're going to close the service tonight. I want you to find a place, altar. I prefer it to be other than where you're at. Move somewhere. I want you to find a place. And I want you to simply say, God. Mark sang the song the other night. Lord, be a sanctuary. Lord, prepare me to be the preacher. Prepare me. Direct me. Give me the good news. Let me see the standard. Let me, let me be prepared. Direct me. Let me preach. Let me share what you're doing. Well, Pastor, that all sounds good, but I don't even know if I'm living good enough to do that right now. That's easy. It's easy. You're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I, I just need I need God in my life. I need I need to I need to give complete control back on. All, all, all I'm gonna ask you to do is come up here and and I'm going to be praying for people. When I come by, pray, grab me. Pastor, I need God. I've not been committed the way I should. I've not been doing the right things. I've not been doing what I should do. I want to be what you're saying, but I'm not ready for that yet. We'll take you from where you're at. We'll take you to the message of the good news. God. Many of you here, you're prepared, you're ready, you're just not acting. Lord, thank me. Give me, give me the opportunity. Show me, direct me, prepare me. God will send victory. God will send victory. Revival won't happen. Revival's not about an altar, it's about a heart. As I pray, I want you to find a place to pray. If you need Christ, if you need to recommit yourself, 
if you need to get deeper to God, if you say, you know what, I'm saved, but man, I am so caught up in fear and doubt and this and the other, and I just need God to make it right in my life. I want you to come up here, right here in front of me, and I want to pray with you. Otherwise, I want you finding a place, and I want you seeking. Seeking His power. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, right now, Lord, I open up these altars. And Lord, I pray that you prepare.